Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Andrew. This is Josh. Another one? Another yeah. I'm Lee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's start my over. own name. What? I don't think I like saying my own name. Well, okay. you have to. Lee. I can introduce it you. It sounds like I'm a little girl. Are you gonna Are you gonna get a, a, a pseudonym at this late stage? Oh, that's a good idea. Pseudonym. 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 Jackie Chan, the Drunken Master. Ilsa, she wolf of the SS. That's who I am. Cap- Our Captain <laughs> Mauser. <laughs> Lee's eating a sub. Is this the show? Yeah. <laughs> I think this is good because if there's one thing, if you listen to a lot of podcasts. The number one thing people complain about is people eating on podcasts. Oh, really? So, so I think it's good. We're or just, being drunk. We're just jump into the mix and just get right well, in there. I would never be drunk during no. the day. I only drink to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> What's playing this week at the Mayfair? <laughs> You're making extra work for me. i got to go through and edit all this out now. I'm sorry. It's what the people tune in to hear. <laughs> so, what is it? It's April 7th today. So we're chatting about movies from April 7th to the 13th, 2017, amongst other things. It's funny, I was, I'm, I'm going to Halifax and Moncton in May, and I was chatting with a couple friends of mine who do podcast stuff out there. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll come, we'll do like a crossover episode just for fun, you know? It's, it's like, oh, we'll just talk about movies? And I was like, we used to, but now <laughs> it's it's evolved and it's ratings evolved. things have soared <laughs> that we just... We, we talk about more about urethras than we ever have in the past. <laughs> we pretty cinematic. We talk about Star Wars. We talk about not liking Michael Bay. Oh. We talk about the subpar. We, we burn bridges at the multiplex, and then we get in a quick epilogue of saying what we're screening this week. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of true. Star Wars, Donald Trump. Oh, I know. That was amazing. I couldn't believe it. That I haven't photo. Seen this. I haven't seen this. There's two photos. Fo- uh, so this what's is, this? You tell the story. It's a video. Well, Donald Trump, before he declared war against Syria last night, before he launched the Scud missiles or whatever they were, he was, I guess when he's on the Air Force One, he travels with a media corps. So the media is on the plane, mm-hmm. this giant plane with him, and they're in the back, in the, the barn, the, the back of the, near the toilets or something. Yeah. So anytime uh, something happens in the world and he's on Air Force One, they can ask him and they can do a live, or they can at least beam down a transmission of the, you know, how he's feeling about certain things. So the, there's, you know, Syria was becoming a big hot topic in the news and he had to say something. Like there was, he was getting criticized for not saying and commenting at all about Syria. And he finally said things yesterday afternoon about how he felt and how he felt that it hits his response to do something now and he, he's going to do something I just don't want to say what he's going to do and he, you know he's just being almost forced to say something but he's got the door open to his office inside the Air Force One and in the background there's an HD screen and they're showing Rogue One <laughs> he's watching Rogue One on Air Force One while this thing's happening and you know in the background it's Darth Vader's scene with Krennic you know, Vader, you know Anakin's in the, in the bath the tank and Krennic comes in he towels off and he threatens him and you know and the rest of the movie is Krennic so at that point he just knew he knew to do something and if oh, you think no. of the rest of Rogue One it's about the Death Star shooting you know you know, they're and blowing up cities and stuff so I'm afraid unfortunately Rogue One has now become my least favorite film of the year <laughs> or at least I'm happy that at least Donald Trump has good taste in movies well I don't or, think he was watching it though I think the pre- it, was on the, it was on for the press to watch I, I thought it was yeah I, I but the photo's funny I, yeah I thought maybe he was watching it and or maybe the press were watching it it just came in on Blu-ray on Tuesday and it was on Air Force One <laughs> just I didn't I saw that clip over and over again without noticing Rogue One was there because I was watching his stupid face yeah. talking. Now he's going to tweet about our show. <laughs> and, then, and, and it's low ratings. And then I looked over and I'm like, 
He's, they're watching Rogue One on the Force One. Anyway, you know, it's not a funny situation that's going on. But no. it made me think Donald Trump should probably be doing more with his day than watching what's new on Blu-ray. <laughs> there was a rumor about how Rogue One, uh, there was this thing before Rogue One came out that Donald Trump supporters were going to boycott it because it was oh, an yeah. anti-Trump movie. Right. Oh, I remember that. That kind of went away when the movie came out. I, you know, I thought to myself, was there ever a Star Wars movie that ever spoke about, a, you know, politically about someone? Because you know, people when Star Wars came out said it was about the Vietnam War. Said the same thing about Jaws, and they read whatever they want into a movie. It's not really there. But there was something in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah. That Anakin does quote lines from George Bush. You know, you're either with me or you're my enemy, and says that there will be one. So maybe, maybe that was part of it. I think maybe thought that the new film was, you know, was going to be the biggest film of the year would be anti-Trump. I don't think it is. It doesn't make me think of Trump one second. Now no. it does because yeah, now it's it was on Air Force One. Yeah, the only time it does is just because everybody associates Trump with Darth Vader. Darth Vader or like well, a like some kind of grand moff. Yeah. A bunch of white guys sitting around a table but making Darth decisions. Ma- Darth Vader is burnt, but he's not ugly or stupid. Well know. Dick Cheney got compared to Darth Vader I think, a lot. I think Donald Trump's more of a Watto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any war movie, science fiction or not, is gonna get compared to it and especially that this administration really has a hate on for quote-unquote Hollywood going after like Meryl Streep you can't make it up that the president of the United States went on his Twitter which shouldn't happen anyhow made fun of Meryl Streep the overrated actress yeah the unarguably one of the greatest actors of our time Mm -hmm. of all time and put like overrated hashtag sad whatever he put don't you have Things to sign? Don't you have people to meet? Yeah. Well, you know, Rogue One will still be there after you're not, when you're yeah. impeached. I'll show it to you in jail. Mad Magazine is going to make fun of you and make fun of the last guy. <laughs> so just don't read Mad Magazine because it's going to hurt your feelings, Donald. It, it's not going away. And the more you talk about it, they're going to sell more issues. Yeah, like, exactly. Only- he doesn't seem to grasp that kind of thing of, of like, just a, it's, it's like a, talking to a kid about a bully, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, don't encourage him. Oh, it's fascinating. And that's politics talk. (laughs) Yes, let's not do that again. (laughs) It's funny. A a friend of mine who is an American was like, I'm not going back for four years. And I'm like, oh, but I want to go back and visit a couple things. And you're heading into into Trump land, what, next weekend or the weekend after? Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. We're going to Florida on Wednesday. To Um, meet Forrest Whitaker? Yeah. (laughs) I have a dinner date. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted him to show me how to beat Paul Newman in a game of (laughs) pool. Yeah, like the same day we got a little meet and greet with Forrest Whitaker, I went with Felicity Jones as well. Are you bringing your Color of Money Blu-ray to get signed? I have a Color of Money quad poster from the UK. It's oh. gorgeous. Is he on it? No. No, he's not. But His I name's probably him. on it, maybe? Pro- yeah, I think so. But no, I, I'm... I'm probably I don't know what I'm, I'm gonna I we're gonna get a photo with him first, then we're probably gonna send a photo or something. He must have been young when Color Money was out too. Oh yeah, super young. Like Actually, twenty he looks, or but he looks younger now. Weird. He's on the Blu-ray for Rogue One. Yeah, and he looks like he's twenty. He looks amazing. I wish I was that handsome. Yeah, but in, in, in Color of Money, he's like he plays a, like a, kind of a slack jawed. He's doing that he, to hustle. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's playing dumb, but he's, yeah. yeah, he does that well. Ghost Dog, jeez, my God. Oh, I love Ghost Dog, and yeah. he's an Oscar winner. Did you hear about Shia LaBeouf's movie? No. Man Down? I have not. Shia LaBeouf has this new movie called Man Down. It's a really strange film. It's set in post-apocalyptic America. Shia LaBeouf spends most of the movie looking for his daughter in a war-torn America after they lost the war. I mean, but most of the movie flashes back to him boots on the ground in Iraq or Baghdad where is he Afghanistan I don't know and then you come to the present day and he's trying to find his daughter and so it's kind of science fiction-y 
but also like a war drama. It opened up in the UK last weekend, it opened up on a Friday. When the numbers rolled in on Sunday, they sold the entire weekend, they sold one ticket. Oh, wow. And that was big news on Monday. I didn't hear about that. And it, they won it in the Guinness World Book of Records for being the biggest flop ever. But since they've written this article, they've sold two more tickets. Like, it went up double. The box office went up <laughs> twice. So right now, I think three people have seen it in the UK. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it means anything. I don't think that means Shia LaBeouf's not gonna, is not bankable anymore. Yeah. I just don't think people want to see this stupid little movie because one of my favorite films of last year starred him. Uh, Honey. Honey? No. American Honey. American Honey. Honey. You know that movie? <laughs> Honey. Dance. Anyway, we should, should we show Man Down at the Mayfair? Is it going to become the... Is it bad? Is it going to become the new, like, The Room? Or, or is it... No, it's not bad, actually. I've watched it. It's, it's kind of clever. It's interesting publicity that it's had that behind it. It's kind of kind of clever thing about it. I can't tell you why it's clever because it kind of ruins the uh, third act. It's kind of clever and the special effects are kind of rank. Is it like zombies and stuff or is it just like post-apocalyptic? Uh... Uh, no, no, sorry. No, not It's just, it's end of the world. Like, right, the okay, United yeah. States is, It just has that backdrop. There's not guys in mohawks driving around cars yeah. like in Mad Max at all. It's just sort of the war. The and, road, like the road or something. Yeah, but a lot, most of it is flashback to him yeah. training and getting into the air. I mean, why he did it and... And he's great. He's such a, he's a, a well, talented the, little boy. Despite <laughs> all of his weirdness, which I don't even remember at all because there's been so much, whether it be him getting in a fight or him doing some weird art piece or him whatever, I remember seeing him on Dave and he seemed very nice and polite and respectful. So I don't know if it was like, just don't give him a couple beers mm-hmm. and he's okay. I remember seeing him in Fury. Andrew's like that. Yeah. <laughs> Shia is going to play Andrew in the Andrew LaPointe story. <laughs> yeah. Fury, I thought he was great in. He had yeah, to, he's the best part of that movie. To get to the point of being in these big, horrible Transformers movies that he walked away from, Spielberg loved the kid because he put him in three or four DreamWorks movies. Mm-hmm. He was talented enough to get to that point. And now, I think he's young enough that he's going to be fine because he's going to do independent movies and whatever yeah, for the next seems 30 years. But yeah, he's already proven uh, yeah. capable without... I think what happened is it was when Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was out, he badmouthed the movie. And Spielberg was like, okay, you'll never work in this town again. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And, he, and Spielberg was also the one, apparently, who told Michael Bay, oh. don't hire Megan Fox anymore because of her thumbs. No, because <laughs> <laughs> because she said that working with Michael Bay was like working with Adolf Hitler. Right. And I, I imagine that's probably true in some degree and she got ousted for bad mouthing and I think it, I, the rumor is who knows what's true oh yeah yeah. That Spielberg told Michael Bay to, he never let her work on the off chance that I ever meet Steven Spielberg I'm very tempted to politely ask I'm a, I, I love your films of course and I love the films you've produced like the Goonies but do you do you think the four or five Transformers movies that your name is on <laughs> I understand that they're profitable so as a producer it makes sense are those the worst things that your name is on? Because no, there's two more films. Always and Hook are terrible movies. And he's got his. Aunt. I remember buying the uh, the laserdisc for Hook. Says okay. he, a quote from Steven Spielberg right at the end of the, it's like I made these for my kids. I'm like, do you really hate your kids that much? <laughs> well, Hook for me was, and I don't know if everyone has this as a certain point of, and you could pick a genre or Saturday morning cartoons or a band. But I, you know, I was right in that sweet spot for Spielberg. Like yeah. I was the right age for Goonies and Young. Sherlock Holmes and Gremlins and all these these kind of kid movies he produced and E.T. of course that he directed and then I saw Hook at whatever age I saw Hook I might have been like 13 or 14 and the credits rolled and I was kind of shell-shocked because I was like oh I just hated a Spielberg movie for the first time in my life and I don't know if other people have that with you know when they they like a band and then realize the band is kind of fluff or whatever I've liked stuff since then that he's done but that was a big turning point for me where I was like oh I don't like him 
many more. I think didn't he follow Hook and Always Up with Schindler's List and Jurassic Park? Yeah, 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 right those, yeah, yeah those those. So of course yeah. he kind of yeah. did that, but yeah, he needed to snap himself out of his divorce. He, he I guess he was probably still going through yeah. the divorce with uh, Amy Irving banging uh, Willie Scott yeah. with the double <laughs> doom in the backseat of Indiana Jones's canoe. <laughs> the backseat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, a Hook Hook is, is so ugly. I went to see Hook twice. I was in denial. Yeah, Because I yeah, love yeah. Spielberg movies. I went to see Always twice in denial. But it's 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 the art direction, the the length of the film. I don't like how Robin Williams shaved his chest. It's very 90s, too. Like, the color and the, it, it's, yeah. it's very yeah, yeah, that's time. what I mean by the art direction. Yeah, the, like, especially when they get to Neverland. I just, I want to, it looks like I threw up. And I'm watching, I'm looking at that for three hours, however long the movie is. The only, like, I think Dustin Hoffman's well cast as Captain Hook yeah but I don't know if he's well used in the movie the sets are tremendous but it's a piece of shit and always too always followed up that came off the heels of Empire of the Sun and right. uh, I remember being very excited about the planes you know that he was going to make the movie with planes but that movie's just so freaking sappy and it's Audrey uh, Audrey Hepburn's last film in, in a movie and I just want to drown her in the forest. <laughs> I, I, I hate always. And, and I guess, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in a right... I think maybe the BFG should be in there somewhere. I still haven't seen it. It, it came... <clears throat> that, I was I just... Not, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's just, it's just not good either. I was chatting with a friend of mine about how not that directors don't matter, but from a certain publicity point, directors don't matter anymore. Where it was a Steven Spielberg film, mm-hmm. a George Lucas film, a Francois Coppola film... But now, people who are, say, a fan of a franchise, whether it be Twilight or Harry Potter or the Avengers movies, I bet you there's a lot of people who go to them with a gun to their head couldn't tell you who directed Harry Potter Part 5. Or, yeah, or can tell you, like, the biggest Fast and the Furious fan probably could oh, exactly. tell you, yes. in order, the names of those movies. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't help when they make... Because they're just meant to be disposable. Yeah. Well, BFG, I noticed, didn't even have on the poster, because I think we had the poster and we just never got oh. the movie... It said Disney, yeah. but it did not say a Steven Spielberg film, I believe. That's very interesting that yeah, it's come to that, that point. Is, it is. The worst, I, I do love the, the Rainbow franchise. I love all those movies so right. much. But I hate the titles. I mean, First Blood's yeah. a good title for a movie. It's confusing. And the sequel's called First Blood, sorry, Rambo, Rambo First, First Blood, Blood Part 2. Then yeah. Rambo 3. Yeah. And then Rambo. Very confusing, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I think, they, But they, then they released a director's cut called John, John Rambo, Rambo, which I think worked. Um, or Rocky Balboa. Do you mind if I dig into this shit? <laughs> I got the onions in my mouth. Crunchy, crunchy, crunch. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there was a trend, too, that I think is kind of still around, of really shortening things up. So it was just Rambo. It was just, mm. instead of, like, I believe I saw the writer or the filmmaker say they wanted to call the first Disney Muppet movie, something like the brand new Muppet movie or the return of the Muppets. It's just called The Muppets. J.G. Abrams wanted to call his first Star Trek movie Star Trek subtitle something, but it's just called Star Trek. So they really wanted to slip things down. It's funny how... As much as I thought I knew about movies and the releasing of movies, there's an entire entity uh, behind the scenes of a movie that no one ever talks about, and that's a sales agent. You know, you have your producer, you have the writer and the director, and you have a producer, and then you have the studio back in the movie and releasing it. But there's there's a sales agent who sells the movie worldwide, and it's these people are telling telling producers, okay, make whatever you want to make, but only give me a one-word or two-word title. Right, yeah. And that's why you get sh- shitty titles for movies called Life. Life is a terrible... Yeah. Or The Martian, or, you know, it's like... Be a little bit more inventive, and they can't, because the sales agents can't sell the movie in Singapore unless it's called 
we got one four-letter word for the title. Yeah, like imagine if what some films with long titles, if released today, like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, might Encounters. Not, yeah, Encounters. Yeah, which sounds like a porno movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. And even there was a trend, I think, in the '80s to just part two, and it's kind of come back a bit now, like John Wick Two. Mm, where they're just the really simple, or like the Toy Story films were just Toy Story two, three, four, mm-hmm. or Iron Man was two, three, and I heard that Jurassic World is going to be called Jurassic World two, so they're not even calling it what? Jurassic Park. What's that? Five. Yeah. It's going to be called. I'm like that's really weird. Yeah, that is weird. So I don't know if, it, or it's going to be called. You know, it could be called Jurassic World subtitle, but I heard it's just going to be called Jurassic World two. I'm like, well, that's really confusing because that means your Jurassic World part five. Point two? That's strange. I think it's just the brand, right? They just want the brand. They want That's, Jurassic uh, World. Ke- Kevin Tomorrow, who's the director of Jurassic World? Colin Trevor. Colin, <laughs> yeah. He's not doing part two, is he? No, he's, good. he's doing an indie movie that looks really good. And it's, then Star Wars. Yeah. And then he wants to shoot episode nine, so he wants to shoot in space. All of it? I heard. Well, <laughs> some of it. He wants to make the biggest special effects in the Star Wars episode 9 movie not a special effect. Right. Which sounds fun. Oh, Flow the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this... We'll call it Star Wars in space. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. They're going to space. <laughs> well, when Star, when Star, okay, I always get this confused despite being a giant nerd. So when Star Wars first came out, it was Star Wars. Yeah. And then it got the episode four tag. And a year later. With A New Hope or just episode four? They started filming Empress Strikes Back and they re-released Star Wars in the theaters. Yes. And they added episode four, A New Hope. Yeah, and, and it makes sense because like at the time, it was like, oh, it's a tribute to the serials, and you're coming in halfway through the story. But I always imagine people watching that must have been like, wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> because George Lucas, it's, it's, I love this story. They were, you know, when he was shooting Star Wars in Pinewood Studios in 1976, everyone who worked on the film thought it was going to be the worst film ever. Yeah, you know, it was a, it was a beat picture. Big, yeah, and the studio thought it was going to be chump change, and no one would go see it. He went over budget, wanted a little bit more money to, make, to finish the film, and they're like, no, we're not going to give you any more money. You know, the best will do is, like, waive your director's fee, and you can, just, you know, finish the movie yourself. And, you, and it's like, oh, if you do that, can I have sequel rights and merchandising rights? Yeah. And they, and they, they laughed, and sure, you can have all that shit. No, no one's gonna, there's going to be no toys for this movie. There's never going to be any sequels. So Empire Returns Jedi and all the sequels that, you know, Lucas made those himself, yeah. those are independent movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he owns the rights to them, and he owns all the merchandising rights, and he owns the... Carrie Fisher would often joke that he owns her, her image. Her essence. Your yeah. essence. Well, I'd like to her <laughs> essence to drink it. So anyway, so it was kind of like his call, you know. I'm going to... The studio would never let them... If 20th Century Fox had any say... They would never let episode five be in front of Return of the Empire Strikes right. Back. The idea must have been so confusing for a lot of people. George Lucas didn't think less of his audience and did that. Now it's, you know, now, now you don't have to think about it. Now challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, I could be wrong about this, but I believe I remember reading once that at the time, the biggest science fiction hits, which weren't even that big, despite them being legendary, were 2001 and Planet of the Apes. And I have the number 9 million in my head, where like Planet of the Apes made 9 or 19 million. And with inflation, that'd be like nothing insane. It'd be like $100 million. So Fox was like, at best, if this makes 20 million bucks, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then it made 300 million in 1977, which is a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone just thought it would be, it would be a drive-in movie and we'd put it on TV in a couple years and that'd be it. I don't know. Like that doesn't, I guess, no, it does happen every once in a while now. Mostly now it's with horror movies where that happens. A horror movie is made for $3 million and makes a hundred million. And on rare occasion, 
Get off? Get, uh, um... Get out. Get out. Get out. Get, get off. Get off. Get off. <laughs> get off. <laughs> it's a sequel. It's a sequel. Or weird stuff like My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Ooh. where it's a little movie and it makes a lot of money. But with science fiction, nowadays, everything science fiction is, with a few exceptions, it's it's got the momentum behind it, and it has the merchandising, and it has the sequel rights, and it has yeah. the Saturday morning cartoon. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy was a surprise, but not a big surprise, because they kind of were hoping it would be big anyhow. Yeah. You remember that scene in True Romance, with the Saul Rubinette plays the film producer? Yeah. He made a film called Coming Home in a Body Bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're like, we're, we're doing a sequel, what's it called? Body Bags 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, what did I just listen to? I was just listening to Christian Slater on a podcast, and they were talking about how, I think it was a podcast, and they were talking about how that was Joel Silver. Like, that yeah. was 100% yeah. Joel Silver. Oh, I also heard that's Don Simpson. Simpson. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Who killed himself? Or just a goadied? I think he, yeah, he killed like himself by mistake, I think. It was like cocaine heart attack. Yeah. yeah. And he was saying that now in Hollywood, despite people saying, like, Hollywood, that's really gone. Like, of that coked-out Hollywood producer. Because now it's all, like, Kathleen Kennedy at Disney. You know, like, it, it's really... I know what, what I, I, know what? What I want to yeah. say to her. Oh, I yeah. Know, I know what I want to... Are you going to meet Kathleen Kennedy? Probably not. You're going to stalk her? <laughs> yeah. Probably not. But she she tells stories about how she walks around and talks to the R2 builders. And, yeah. But, you know, I watched... You know what? I, I watched... I went to, to Toronto and I went to Bay Street Video and spent a couple hundred dollars on Blu-rays because... You can't buy Blu-rays in Ottawa anymore. They're great. I right. bought all these epic women in prison movies. Love Camp 7. And I bought Campbell Ferox. And, and that's not part 7. That, that's that's just a movie called yeah. Love Camp 7 because it's number, it's it's number 7. Yes. And Serbian film. And in the bag, I also bought Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> yeah. Because I love Clint Eastwood and I just bought this box set and that's not in there and I wanted to watch it again. Kathleen Kennedy produced that movie. Right. Oh, yeah, there's her name. I always think of her with Frank Marshall and Steven Spielberg or George Lucas. No, now George Lucas. But I just, I, I, I fantasized about running into her at the at the convention. And I, I do admire her quite a bit. Uh, she's kind of like... She's like the only producer that cares. <laughs> well, no, she, she like goes to set and she says... And they, they pitch your ideas and say, I don't care what you're doing right now. Just as long as you're thinking of Kira Kurosawa's in the back of your head while you're doing it, I'm okay with it. And she's That's a great the... story. Of started as a production assistant Ooh. and 40 years later is running a giant industry. I want to tell her about how, in, you know that scene in E.T., you're Kathleen Kent. You know that scene in E.T. where Elliot's sick because E.T. is sick and they're sharing the same DNA and they're in the, they're in the, the bedroom and the whole house is covered in plastic and the astronauts are and the scientists are trying to save the life of E.T. and or Elliot and then Keys played by Peter, Peter Coyote, Coyote comes in and he takes his hood off for the first time and you see oh it's Peter Coyote and he goes and he puts his hand in and he holds Elliot's hand and tries to see how he's doing and uh, they have a short conversation but he says to him Elliot you know I feel really lucky that E.T. met you because yeah. I've always dreamt about this but if he met the army or the police he probably wouldn't have shot he doesn't say that part but he's I'm just so happy E.T. met you and it's a really touching moment between them and I want to say to Kathleen Kennedy I'm glad Star Wars found ah. you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad the purchase of Madison County found you <laughs> Well, I said, if I ever met Kathleen Kennedy or I said John Lasseter if I met at like an animation festival and John Lasseter's doing a Q&A I'm going to ask the, the Disney vaults question. I'm just very nicely going up and say, hi, I help run an independent cinema, and we play old movies all the time. We play mm. James Bond movies or Batman 66 or, or the old Charlie Brown movie from the 70s. Why can't we show Toy Story? Why can't we show Jungle Book 
when all of your other, all the other distributors out there, all of your comrades in, in film distribution allow us, why is Disney the only one? Yeah, you know what's going to happen because they, they think to themselves in 20 years, we're going to show Toy Story. We're yeah. not going to have to do anything to it. We'll just put it in the back of the theaters and it'll make $300 million. Yeah. And then they'll look at and they'll say, so fuck you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> in the future, they'll say or that. Or like, you. even like, you're not going to re release those old Kurt Russell. Oh yeah, so yeah, you're right. So they lock down all their movies just so they can re-release Toy Story. Yeah, and they can release Peter Pan and whatever it is, and then yeah, there's everything else underneath, including the color of money. Because Scorsese oh, yeah. makes some films with Disney under this umbrella that get squashed. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to show the well, color. Of isn't money here. Uh, oh wait, it could be wrong. Was um, was Firewalk with me like Touchstone or, or some weird branch of the Firewalk? Like, the the that was Polygram thing? or something. Yeah, but in Canada it was Alliance. Yeah, it's like yeah. lost to the because like. There's always logical questions that people ask us. Yeah. Oh, are you going to play Firewalk with me before the new Twin Peaks show? You, That's a good idea, but... <laughs> you want us to show the one thing that every Twin Peaks fan hates. Yeah. <laughs> and that no one wants to see in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. That's why on rare occasion, like, when, when they allow us to play, like, the Power Rangers movie in the same kind of dates of the new Power Rangers movie. Yeah, that made no sense. Always shocks me. It's like, wow, cool. That made no sense. Because so often it's like locked down for even, what was it? It was Superman, right? When horrible Zack Snyder Superman came out. You made me think of a Sylvester Stallone movie, Lockdown. Lockdown. No one's talking about that in any podcast. Lock up. Lock up. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. When when we we wanted to play Superman for, for a kids matinee, and they said we can't because of Man of Steel. Oh, right. And then we played it recently because it got out of its lockdown. Yeah. I think I want to remind people how good Superman movies yeah. used to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Superman, yeah, I love that first film so much. And Christopher Reeve. And he's oh, like yeah. Brando in that movie. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. Brando's in that movie. Yeah, and Brando is in that movie. Yes. <laughs> okay, we're half an hour in. Let's talk about what we're screening. So this week at the Mayfair, April 7th to 13th, 2017... A couple of G-rated movies, or kid-friendly movies. We got the, the Lego Batman movie. Eraserhead. Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> so Lego Batman movie, and I still don't know how it's pronounced. I think it's Kitty. I think it's like Kitty Cat. The documentary, K-E-D-I, about mm. cats. Bring that back. It, it went away for like a week. We're bringing it back for a second week. These people got angry that we didn't hold it Angry, over. yeah. Why are you <laughs> I'm going, Do you not no. like cats? And then, as Lee mentioned, we have Eraserhead, which is going to be screening right after the auto premiere of David Lynch, The Art Life. Aren't you happy it's on so early? Late night movies on so early at 10 I love stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Midnight's past my bedtime to watch a movie. So I, I love a midnight 10.30 movie. I, I'd love to bring, I want to bring my kids so much. At least I thought, one of them. Wouldn't they be too, aren't they too scared to watch David Lynch? They, they, yeah, they're totally terrified. Then they don't want to go. But I want to drag them so much. I just like, I want to give them an experience. I just imagine Cheryl just being furious at you because the kids are like waking up at four in the morning Shit having kids. images of Eraserhead <laughs> just, ah, mommy, daddy, help. <laughs> And I want chicken on a stick. Is it chicken and waffles on a stick? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, chicken and waffles. Whenever I go to L.A., I always demand of my company, whoever it might be, yeah. we have to go to chicken and waffles. Uh, Roscoe's. Roscoe's, yeah. some chicken and waffles. There's a place in Ottawa, Detroit, Soul Food, which is quite good. But chicken and waffles on a stick sounds genius to me. And this is pull it off. The, uh, the title's almost too long to fit on the poster, but it's just... We're it, serving food, by the way. Collective, yeah. <laughs> collective Arts Brewing and Smoke Shack Movie Night. Yeah. We need a shorter title. Well, that's why we got a bigger marquee. Yes, there you so go. We can yeah. fit that on there. So that'll be. And you have to put that up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the marquee is really fat right now. It's, it's got a yeah, it's a bulge. Yeah, it looks like Mark Hamill. 
I oh, I was talking to the, the, the teller today, the bank teller. I think Mark, I think Luke Skywalker is going to die in the new, in the Last Jedi because he's getting fat again. Yeah, he was so excited. He, he was so yeah. fit. Yeah, and you know because he was filming Force Awakens and going into Last Jedi. But now I've seen little recent pictures of him. He's got his beer belly back on. Maybe he just like, fell off the wagon. <laughs> you know, he'll be back <laughs> as soon as he wrapped. He, he went over to Roscoe's. <laughs> Uh, they can't kill him oh they can't too much death in Star Wars now so yeah so David Lynch the Art Life documentary and then Eraserhead his first feature right Eraserhead is his first yeah. feature yeah and he was young he was still like a, a student wasn't he by yeah, the, yeah he that? made where did he make that at the, he was Art studying at the American Film Institute I'm going to say this because my wife's not going to listen to this podcast but I was having a smoke I was at the Egyptian Theater which is on Hollywood Boulevard showing Harry Knuckles and the Treasure of the Aztec Mummy in the Egyptian yeah. on 16mm it's one of the things in my life I don't mind bragging about because yeah, yeah. I, I love that and we were showing a movie, and after the movie, we went outside in the parking lot. The AFM owns the Egyptian. Behind the Egyptian, we were having a cigarette, and the guy said, "That's look at the window there. That's where David Lynch shot all of Eraserhead. And I was like, oh, and I looked at it and recognized it because I'm, there's a documentary on the, on the Laserdisc or Blu-ray or DVD peeked in the window. But yeah, it was shot like downtown Los Angeles, you know, in 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 around the American Film Institute. Institute property. AFI. Yeah, AFI property. Yeah, on on the lot, and he they didn't charge him anything. He just lived and he lived on the set. Yeah, well, he and shot he, the movie over a period of like four yeah, years. Or yeah. So. yeah, and had a newspaper route. I wish David Lynch was my paper boy. <laughs> That'd be great. It's a it's a genius little film. And then on top of that, we have. Do you like Eraserhead? Yeah, yeah. I like Eraserhead, but it's too scary. I, I saw it when it was. I saw it when it was too. I saw it here at the Mayfair. God, maybe when I was in like grade nine or something. So I was like thirteen or fourteen, and I and I it was one of those movies where I remember watching and being like. I shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> and just being like, and not like scared, like Texas Chainsaw scared, yeah, no, but just being like, yeah, this is going to give me nightmares. But uh, yeah, so uh, on top of the David Lynch films, we also have Land of Mine, which was up for best foreign language film at the Oscars this year. I'm not your Negro. Which is narrated by Samuel L. Jackson. Was that up for a documentary? Yeah. That was up for documentary. Yeah. Both of those really highly acclaimed films. And I've mentioned before, like when you're looking for reviews online, these ones are like, yep, review, review, review. review. Yeah. There's probably one in your shoe, right? Probably, yes. (laughs) A good review for one of these movies. (laughs) And then our Ottawa premiere this weekend is The Void, which is a Canadian horror film. (gasps) That's this week? Is that tomorrow night? That's tonight. Tonight? Tonight. Ah, Shit, I have to come see that. That's why I I want to see it, but I was also going to stay home tonight. I was saying I might come tonight for the... I love these double bills when I'm going to come see the Kitty Cat documentary yeah. and then The Void. When's the second showing The Void? Monday, Monday. and Tuesday okay. at 9 o'clock. Okay. Maybe I'll come Monday. And it looks like a you know a real horror movie, like a John Carpenter yeah. 80s. It's an Astron 6 production. Which is funny because their other films are great, but it's like Manborg is a bit more of a trauma-esque kind of comedic horror film. And this is a not-messing-around Scary horror film. Yeah. Well, on our, on our little flyer, it's TBA for the rating, but I believe it's rated R, probably. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's some good Canadian content on screen. A good a good diverse week where you can watch kitty cat documentaries or terrifying horror films or David Lynch documentaries. Yeah, the David Lynch documentary looks sweet. I like it when he's, like, painting with that little girl. I imagine That's his daughter. That. It's his daughter? It's his daughter, not his granddaughter. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Wow, good for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. 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 That's <laughs> shocking. Who's that? Who's voice am I? Oh, you're talking about can't even tell anymore. Close. He, he kind of looks like David Lynch. He looks a little bit. Yeah, you yep. could play him in a movie, I guess. He'd be too, too tall. 
to the toilet. I remember David Lynch's weather 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 reports he used to do on DavidLynch.com. You ever see those? <laughs> yeah. We should do those. There's no one that interesting working here. Oh, Matt Sindel should do weather, <laughs> yeah. weather reports on, on the Mayfair.ca, Mayfairtheater.ca. Is that our website? Can we just screen a David Lynch weather report before <laughs> Eraserhead or something? It's funny. I, I, just for fun, uh, I'll tag on old movie trailers or just something else that we talk about during the podcast. And it always has to be an old movie trailer because new movie trailers don't have any voiceover in them. They don't have the, the inner world. So it's, it's always, it comes to my mind where I'm like, oh good, we talked about Wild at Heart or Eraserhead so I can fit that in there. But I looked at the Eraserhead trailer and it, it would just be this like soundscape yeah. nightmare for three minutes. It, would, it doesn't even say like coming soon at the end of it or anything. What, what was his gig after that? How did he get a gig after that? Elephant Man. Elephant Man. Mel, Mel, Man. Mel, so it's all Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks went to see Eraserhead in L.A. And David Lynch was there and was shocked to see Mel Brooks walk into his in, into into the screen the screening room. And he just stood outside and nervously paced while Mel Brooks watched his movie. And he came out and he didn't say anything to David Lynch. It's amazing. And he thought, oh, and then Dave, then Martin, then Mel Brooks called him into Brooks Films and offered him uh, Elephant Man, which is one of his best films. Yeah, and Mel Brooks also produced The Fly for yeah. David Cronenberg and, so, yeah. and Solar Babies. He did Solar Babies. He produced Solar Baby, oh. which came out the same day as E. T. in the theaters. Oh, and, Solar Babies! And someday in the future, it'll make more money than E. T. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that a good story? <laughs> good times in heaven. <laughs> Everything is fine in heaven. You know that song? Yeah. 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 That's that's what you can call the podcast in heaven. In heaven, everything is fine. (laughs) So next week, I don't know. You might be on the road next week for the podcast. Oh yeah, I won't be around for your podcast. Maybe I can do it live. Yeah, interview everybody. They do podcasts, so I I could. Yeah, if we were going together, we could have done our podcast live from the uh, Star Wars celebration. Get a press badge. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I guess we could have done that too. Next time, I, I saw some people with press badges, and uh, you know, all these people on I follow on Instagram posting their press badges for media badges for celebration. It's like yeah. oh, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it, it's gonna, it's a costly trip, but it's gonna be so great. I'm also trying not I'm trying not to set myself up for disappointment because there's so much I want to do and so much I want to see, and I'm thinking to myself now, you know, just being there is gonna be fun. And your wife's going to have a great time. No, she's not. <laughs> I, wish she, I, wish, I wish she wasn't coming. Are you honestly. Making, are you making her like a, like a Ray costume to wear or a, like no, no, cosplay? Well, that's one thing. We're, flying kind of makes it impossible. Unless you sit in the chair dressed up as, you know, a gunk droid. <laughs> no, no, we're, we just got Last Jedi t-shirts and we're just going to yeah. play cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be great to go as, do you know the Iron Squadron? No, I don't think so. I like that's who I'd like to dress up as the Iron Squadron. There's only three of them. Okay, so my wife can stay home. Yeah, <laughs> and me and the kids can be the Iron Squadron. Do you know who Andy Gutierrez is? Yes, she's the girl who hosts the Star Wars show. Yeah, yeah. And and the the, the girl from the Iron Squadron is named after her, oh. Gertie. And uh, I just know if we dressed up as the Iron Squadron, came to that went to that celebration, we'd get on the Star Wars show, and she'd interview us. And I just want to, yeah, I want to meet her. She's really cool. Yeah, they're, they're up for Webbies. The Webby is a mm, dumb. Yeah. You've name. heard of the Webby? I have because like so many Oscars because of... so many podcasts I listen to joke about oh, we're going to win a Webby. <laughs> Star Wars is up for three three Webbies. So I went on to vote for them because they kind of pressured me into it. When you vote, it shows you the percentage. And right? There's, there's no way Star Wars is going to lose. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's crazy. we were snubbed again for our Webby Award this year. <laughs> Maybe we'll get a Webby next, next year. year. Andrewly nominated everybody for, <laughs> for best fluff boy on the, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> 
I always forget to do this. Is there flat like, boys? It sounds uh, probably. Cute. I don't know. It sounds adorable. <laughs> That's your new movie. That's your new pitch. <laughs> Fluff boy. But uh, yeah, go online. If wherever you listen to this, vote for us. Give us a thumbs up. Say something nice about us. That will help us win a Webby Award next year. <laughs> and uh, go visit our friends at House of Targ. I was thinking about maybe go doing a uh, House of Targ podcast because it's their third anniversary, and oh, they've got yeah. all kinds of good stories about being our neighbors and stuff like that. So maybe we'll do that on your while you're. Do away. they like us? They love us. They love us. We're beloved. We bring them popcorn. So the, the, I, the last Sunday, Sunday before, I went in to play free play, and I was going in and I bring them a couple bags of popcorn. And the look on their faces, it's like I'm bringing them like a unicorn in a jetpack. <laughs> They're just so pleased to get some popcorn. I know it's in the show, but quickly, if I can say, yes. I spent, you know, Josh Grace. Of course. Remy, Remy, Remy Living Grace, legend, Josh Grace. Who, lives, who works at the House of Targ. So last, last Thursday, I was at Walmart in Orleans, and the Black Series 40th anniversary figures came out for Star Wars. Yeah. It's, to celebrate 40 years of Star Wars, Black Series is releasing 12, 12 inch figures, 12 inch figures or 6 inch figures in the original card backs from 1977. Oh, wow. And it's, they're gorgeous. Are they a fortune? Do they cost they're like... They're $30 each. Oh, my God. I spent over, and then so I said, hey, look, Josh, look what's at Walmart. He said, yeah. oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I had to be at work in 20 minutes. <laughs> and I he, I went out and spent over $100 just on Josh, to, and I had to bring it to him in the house of Derek. Oh. It was fun to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he has to have doubles of everything. <laughs> I can't just buy him an R2-D2. I have to buy him two. One out of the box and one in the box. If anyone has the opportunity to go into Josh's basement, yeah. it's amazing. He has just everything. Josh everything. came to my basement uh, on Sunday. Yeah, Josh came over to watch that uh, that film I was telling you about that I don't want to talk about here. And he came in every, and my son stayed up a little extra late so he could show Josh around the basement and all of our Star Wars collection yeah. too. And, yeah. And when Max and I have been to his basement. We should, I don't know. I, was like, I don't want to encourage anyone to go rob the basement. <laughs> <laughs> his address. But uh, yeah, so maybe yeah, maybe we'll visit our friends at House of Tired. Oh yeah, and uh, heard you're making fun of me <laughs> on their podcast. Lee will be back next week with stories of his new best friend, Forrest Whitaker, yes. and Felicity Jones. Yes, be good. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy will drop by to introduce. You think? She, yeah, uh, Kathleen Kennedy will be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about the bridges of Madison County. Yeah, and the entire cast of Rebels. Yeah, that's uh, we got we got that lined up. Excellent. Okay, we'll see you next week, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was a good sub. His name is Bodai. What is it? He's a who, not an it. Then who is it? Do you like air? It's not alive. Do you breathe? Where do you come from? Earth. 1,000 years in the future, out of the heavens comes a mystical and powerful force. It is called Bodai. We're going to get Bodai. Yes, we are. It's unanimous. Go. The law requires that I take them to my headquarters. Only a lonely one. Are you sure about that? Take a better look. Armed with the power of the magical being Bodai, a young band of rebels is our only hope to conquer the forces of evil that would destroy the planet Earth. The magic. The mystery. The adventure. Solar Babies. Wow.